0: Hosea chapter 10 verse 5. The title of the message this morning is No Comfort in the Calves. No Comfort in the Calves. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And there is no bread that is more life-sustaining, invigorating, and delicious in filling than the Word of God. When we chew physical bread... The bread is broken down, so we may ingest the nutrition it contains. And when we break down the Scriptures, we're doing it for the same reason. That our minds may digest the truth that's contained in them. That we may grow thereby. So whether it's Brother Shepard on Sunday morning in Sunday school, Brother Doug at the nursing home, Sister Elizabeth uh, like this morning in in the Sunday school class... Or, or Tammy, or whoever's teaching, when we when we take a, a small portion of the Bible, just a phrase, and we take that little phrase and then we explain that phrase and we comment on it on that portion before advancing to the next portion of the verse, we are chewing the heavenly bread that God's given to us. Let's now break off a small piece of that bread from Hosea 10, verse five, and let's chew on it together. God said in Hosea 10:5, "The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you for these people who've come here today, Lord, to hear what your word has to say. Thank you for the truth that's already been expounded. Help us as we meditate and chew on this heavenly bread. Let us taste the sweetness and digest all the nutrition in it. And to your honor and glory and to our strength in Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear. Those who dwelt in Samaria were going to be afraid. Now, Samaria, to remind you, was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. And not only was it the name of the capital city, but being the capital city of, of the kingdom, it was also referred to as the northern kingdom itself was referred to as Samaria. So, not just the city, but it'd be like uh, Austin being the state capital. And yet, sometimes you just call the state Austin. Okay, it'd be sort of like that, and that's how this happens here in the Bible. Sometimes the Northern Kingdom as a whole refers to, uh, 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 or, or rather, is referred to as Samaria. For example, in First Kings chapter thirteen, verse thirty-two. 1 Kings chapter thirteen, verse thirty-two. It says, "For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel." And against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. So, if you're referring to the cities of Samaria, you're obviously referring to the entire nation. Because one city is is not going to have several cities in it, but the nation will. So when Hosea refers to the inhabitants of Samaria in this verse, he's not speaking of the city, but of the northern kingdom of Israel. The people who dwelt in that northern kingdom of Israel, Hosea said, shall fear. Now last Wednesday night, if you remember in our study of Proverbs, we read about the fear of the Lord coming upon the wicked. Not the fear of the Lord, but the wicked's fear coming upon him. And the same thing is happening here in Samaria. This is a real good uh, practical example of what we read about in Proverbs coming to place uh, in, 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 in in that nation. And I don't care what race a person belongs to, what religion they subscribe to, what culture they were brought up in. Wherever in the world they live, nobody wants to be afraid. Nobody does. People want to be safe confident, and secure. And let me add, God wants people to be safe, confident, and secure. Nevertheless, the Bible says the inhabitants of Samaria shall fear. So the question we need to ask ourselves is why? Why would the people of Samaria be afraid? If they want to feel safe, and if God wanted them to feel safe, then why would they be afraid? God answers that question now in the next part. God said, they will fear, look back in your text, because of the calves of beth Because of the calves of beth They wouldn't fear because of God. I have peace because of God. They wouldn't fear because of God. They would fear because of the calves of beth now, I want you to pay attention closely here to the wording. Hosea didn't say they would be afraid of the calves of beth The calves didn't scare them. The calves were the work of their own hands. They were the idols that they made and that they worshipped. They loved these golden calves, but they would soon be afraid because of them. See the difference? An idol now usually represents a particular false god that's behind the idol. So it's common to have multiple idols in a nation for the same god. Just like you would have a statue of Buddha in one place, a statue of Buddha in another place, and it's all representing the same Buddha. So for this reason, the word calves in the plural is used in the King James translation. And now we're going to see it shifts... To being used in the singular because it's going to focus on a particular idolatrous calf Hosea said they would fear because of the calves of Bethaven. look back in your text for the people thereof shall mourn over it that is mourn over the idol of the God it represented particularly the one that's at Bethaven. they would weep over their idol the treasured calf that was located in in Beth-Avon, their glorious golden calf would bring them sorrow. And because that calf would bring them sorrow, the result would make them afraid. Now take your pen, if you would, and underscore the people thereof. The people thereof. Now move down a bit further in the Verse. And underscore the priests thereof. It's pretty cool. And then I love breaking down scripture. The people thereof, and the priests thereof. Both the people and the priest would mourn over this golden calf, though they had previously rejoiced over it. What do we learn from that? Leaders and followers alike wind up in the same place. Jesus said, where He is, there we will be also. Leaders and followers wind up in the same place. If you follow Jesus, then you're going to wind up where Jesus is. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Man, what a wonderful comfort that is. But the problem is, likewise, if you follow a false teacher, then you're going to wind up wherever the false teacher is. The book of the Revelation tells us that those who reject Christ are going to wind up in the same place as the devil, the beast, and the false prophet. All in the same place. Thus we learn a valuable principle this morning, namely, as the priests, so the people. I'll repeat that again. As the priests, so the people. Being a leader doesn't justify you. Being a follower doesn't excuse you. Just because people follow you doesn't mean you're right. You can have a big following. You can have your auditorium packed out with folks. You can have money flowing in. You can have people buying your books. You can be a great follower of people. But just because people follow you doesn't mean you're right. In the same, just because you're deceived by some popular spiritual leader doesn't excuse you for being wrong. There is equal accountability both on the person teaching and the person following. Every priest and every person is either trusting in a calf or in Christ. One of the two. Every priest or every person is either trusting in a calf. Or they're trusting in Christ. And those who trust in a calf will one day mourn because of it. If you do not have your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your faith is not built upon the rock of God's word. Based on God's son. What your faith is based upon is a calf. You have Christ and you have a calf. You have the savior God sent. You have the false religion people make. It's either a calf or it's Christ. Man, those who believe in Jesus their Savior, we're going to rejoice. I rejoice today. I'm going to be rejoicing forever. But those who put their hope in anything other than Christ are going to mourn in the end. Hosea said the people would mourn. Look back in your text. And the priests thereof that rejoiced on it. <clears throat> they rejoiced on it. As we believe on Jesus, so they rejoiced on that calf. We base our faith on the Christ God sent. They base their faith on the calf they made. The Hebrew word translated rejoice literally means to spin around in joy and excitement. You've seen people do that before. Oh! That's what it means. That's how happy they were over this calf. They were so excited about the system of false worship that they developed. They were rather proud of it. They fashioned that calf just the way they wanted it. All the finishing touches. The gold in the right place. The color in the right place. They shined it up. They made it look exactly like they imagined in their mind. The glory of that calf. It was very beautiful for them to see. And in the same way, we, we, we make our religions the same way. We custom make our own idols, not out of metal so much today, and a lot of people do. You go to India, you're going to find a lot of them. You go to the Catholic Church, you're going to find a lot of these little idols. But, but you go to China, you're going to find a lot of them. You go to Chinese restaurants, you're going to find some. But not everybody makes them out of metal and wood and stone. Some people make them out of their intellect. Some people make them out of doctrine. And they fashion whatever they make it out of. They fashion their belief system according to their own liking. Just the way they like it. That's the way this uh, calf was. It was custom made to their liking. It was the pride of Beth Haven. People today get to custom pick their religion in America. Make it however they want. Man, there's so many different variations, so many different colors uh, 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 and shades of of Christianity and of uh, 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 agnosticism and humanism, all kinds of different shades that people have crafted to put their hope in. They take comfort in their calf. But they will mourn because of it. People fashion calves to their own liking. They build their hopes and dreams on the things of this world today. They think to provide for themselves a nice, comfortable, secure life for themselves. and They take great pleasure in what they've created. They rejoice in what they've made. But he that rejoices in this world will one day mourn because of it. He that comforts himself in this world shall one day mourn because of it. On the other hand, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. As Christians, we have no comfort in this fallen world. You make me an idol out of wood, it's going to bring me no comfort. You give false worship. You tell people there's no God. You, you come up with some type of uh, of godless relationship. and and godless society, and I have no comfort in it at all, it makes me mourn when I see the wicked direction this world is headed. But Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn in this world today, for they shall be comforted when Jesus comes. We don't rejoice over the calves we've built, we rejoice over the kingdom that Jesus is building through his gospel. Now notice where this particular calf was located. It was located in a place called Beth-Avon. You might want to underscore that in your scripture. In fact, take you a pen and draw a line between Beth, B-E-T-H, and Avon. Draw a line between the H and the A. Beth-Avon. The nation of Israel descended from the man Israel. Israel. What was the man Israel's original name? Jacob. When Jacob fled from his brother Esau, Jacob's running. He comes upon a place. He's tired. He's scared. He goes to sleep. And God appears to him in a dream. We call it Jacob's Ladder. And there's this ladder that was set up on earth. The top of that ladder reached to heaven. And God passed down to Jacob that day. First, God changed His name to Israel later on. But God uh, uh, passed down to Israel that day, the man Israel. He passed down to him the promise of the coming Savior that would come through the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the promise that He originally gave to His uh uh, predecessor Abraham and so now the gospels passed down to Jacob whose name is Israel he gives him this dream of this ladder being set up on heaven the ladder is a picture of Jesus Christ who will bridge the gap between heaven and earth and reconcile God and man and when Jacob woke up from that heavenly vision he was so excited about what God had showed him He was in such awe, fearful awe, that God had met with him there. He named that place, which was originally named Luz, he renamed that place Bethel. If you're taking notes, write down the word Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L, B-E-T-H-E-L. Once you get Bethel written down, take your pen and do the same thing with it. After the word Beth, B E T H, draw a line between Beth and L, between the H and the E. In Hebrew, Beth means house, L means God. Remember the song El Shaddai? Bethel means God, and so Bethel means house of God. Now Jacob made a vow that day to God, he vowed that he would devote himself to God on the basis of that covenant, assuming that God would keep his promise in that covenant, and from that day forward, Bethel became a sacred place. Became a place where God would point Jacob back to in the future to remind him of the covenant that he made there. But we need to be pointed back to our beginnings a lot of times, don't we? We need to remember where we came from, remember why we're here, remember what God has done for us, what God's promised to do to us. We need to go back to Bethel sometimes. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, Genesis 31, verse 13, God told Jacob, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointedst the pillar, and will thou, where thou vowedst a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. In Genesis 35, 1 through 3, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God. That appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. See how God's sending him back to Bethel. Back to that place where God first appeared to him. Back to the drawing board to remind him this is is what it's all about, Jacob. Verse 2, he says, Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. Now I wanted you to see that what's happening here. Bethel was a place where God told Jacob, Jacob, forget everything that's happened now for a moment, and let's go back to the beginning where you first met me. Go back to the beginning where I showed you the ladder that would bridge the gap between God and man. Sometimes we have to do that too. Sometimes we have to go back to the cross, right? Back where God first showed us how he bridged the gap between God and man. And in doing so, we get revival in our hearts. We get a renewed mind. And God was sending him back to get that renewed mind and to invigorate him spiritually. But what else happened? When Jacob went back, he told the people, you put away the." strange gods that are among you. So going back to Bethel, going back to the house of God, was a place of revival. It was a place of repentance and purifying and putting away anything that was displeasing to God in your life. That's what Jacob was doing. And there he built an altar to the one true God in the place, Bethel. Bethel was a rallying point. Where false gods were put away. Bethel was where the altar was built to the one true God. In remembrance of his promise to bless the world through Israel. Bethel was the house of God. Jacob named it Bethel because it's where God appeared to him. But now, in our text this morning, God has renamed it Beth-Avon. beth and Bethel are the same place. Do you know why he named it Beth Avon? The L is off of it. That means God is out of it. God's no longer in the house. Do you know what was in the house? Avon. Avon. Do you know what Avon means? Vanity. The house of emptiness. That, that Hebrew word vanity, it's, it's, it's a really neat word. Pretend like there's a really big boulder right here, all right? And pretend like I'm not Brother Shepherd. Brother Shepard could just toss the boulder over with his muscles. But, but pre- pretend like there's a big boulder here, and just the normal people like me and you. We were here, and we're going to try to push that boulder a couple of feet. Well, we're not going to make any headway with that boulder, but let's say we try, and we put all of our might into that boulder we strained so hard and with him we go and the boulder still in the same place it was the word the, the word Avon there it has the idea of literally panting. panting like an exhaust man who just expended energy and accomplished nothing that is Avon in the house of vanity all of that work. All of the worship of those idols. Everything that, that, that they had worked for and dreamt for and hoped for. And carving out those idols. It was all for nothing. Wasted. Boy, I tell you what. We have people today. They live their entire lives for themselves. They dismiss the notion of God. And they die and go to hell. Do you know what their life was? Wasted. Absolutely wasted. No matter how much energy they spent, what all they uh, supposedly accomplished in life, it's for nothing. They rejoiced on this calf, they built their hope on this calf. And now it would all come to nothing. It was all in vain. They rejoiced on the calf like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. It only takes a few generations for Bethel to become Beth Avon. It only takes a few generations for Bethel to become Beth Avon. We've seen it here in our country. Places of great revival can quickly become places of great rebellion. I know of no other nation in the world right now that is more in your face against God than the land that was built on the premise of God right here in the USA. We have turned from Bethel to Bethhaven places of great revival can quickly turn to places of great rebellion. God said they would fear and mourn because of the calf of Bethaven look back in your text for the glory thereof because it is departed from it. Now the word departed means to denude. It means to strip the clothes off of something and leave it in shame. So literally here, this calf is going to be stripped of its glory. Just stripped right off. When the calf they trusted in got stripped of its glory, which we'll learn about as we continue in our, in our, our, our text uh, in the next few weeks, when that calf got stripped of its glory, they would realize that all the hope they placed in that calf to protect them was in vain. And when they realized it was in vain, their rejoicing would turn to mourning and their confidence would turn to fear. When I read this, I couldn't help but think of Jesus who was denuded before he was crucified. He was stripped of his clothes and brought to shame. But later, you know what he did? After being stripped, he rose victoriously. And he'll return in power with great glory. He won't be denuded when he comes again. He'll be clothed with power and great glory. One day that's going to happen. On that day, every idol of man will forever be stripped of its glory. And he who had been stripped by man will finally be confessed as King of kings and Lord of lords. What a reversal. On that day, Beth will fall, and Beth-el will rise again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, we mourn today because of Bethaven, which means we'll rejoice one day because of Bethel. And God sadly people today rejoice because of their Beth and they will mourn when Bethel comes, when the house they built on sinking sand falls, and the house of God shall stand forevermore. Father, comfort us, Lord, in this time. We place no hope but in anyone but you. We build our our hopes and our dreams upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Not a calf, but the Christ you sent. Not a religion, Lord, that we custom made for ourselves, but one you custom made for us. We thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.